Well, welcome back to the Fine Lion Podcast. It's good to have your company along with us again on today's show where we're going to look straight back to round six and the clash with GWS Giants in Western Sydney to do another autopsy over what went wrong. We're going to look at some of the key matchups that shaped that game. Fan line is open, so we're looking forward to taking your tweets and your SMSs and chatting about what's on your mind with regards to your favourite sporting team. And we're going to look forward to round seven and the clash with Collingwood at the Gabba on Sunday afternoon and give an early forecast as to what potentially could happen there. But at the moment, well, it's zeros for Brisbane. It's 0-6 now on the ledger with another loss occurring on Saturday afternoon in Western Sydney. It was the GWS Giants 10-17-77 beating Brisbane 5-13-43. Like we said for Brisbane, well, it is another week where it's a nearly week. They had some good patches, some areas where they looked like they were getting on top, some really good flow of momentum at other stages, but ultimately not quite enough to beat a very talented, uh, if not slightly injury-struck presently, GWS team. And Brisbane, well, they go away licking their wounds again, but another game where no doubt Chris Fagan will be taking a lot of teaching points to hopefully guide his young lines in the right direction. The general feeling on the game, well, it was a real feeling of a nearly game for Brisbane. Everything was nearly coming off, but not quite. Uh, it just seemed that GWS were, were more clinical, uh, better composed throughout most of the afternoon, uh, with the exception of the third quarter, where Brisbane got on top and did look like they were going to make it a bit of a run home towards the end result. Uh, but it seemed all the Brisbane turnovers got heavily punished by GWS, a very good team on the rebound or on the slingshot, as the modern footy pundits like to call it, whereas Brisbane just couldn't capitalise on anything that GWS did. Uh, Even the GWS turnovers did seem to end up back in a relatively fortuitous spot for the Giants. Uh, We were going to have a look at it across each of the quarters, and and it was a real theme across each of the four separate quarters, but there was a constant through each of them, and that was the ball movement for Brisbane. actually wasn't too bad, although there was a littering and a smattering of turnovers as we've seen all the way throughout this year. The general move, ball movement actually was quite encouraging. Uh, we're going to talk later on about how the emergence of the halfbacks, in particular for Brisbane, have really now started to catapult most of their attacking direction starting from there rather than starting from the midfield. But it was bad kicking ultimately that cost Brisbane. Um, bad inside 50s, really poor entries, which was also a theme last week against Gold Coast. Uh, That certainly replicated itself again here against GWS, giving those taller defenders for the Giants plenty of opportunity to get get across and spoil and create good position to make sure they were rebounding the ball back out again. And ultimately, it was also poor goal kicking from Brisbane that really cost them, particularly in the early starts of the early stages of the game. uh, 0-5 and 5 behinds was their score for the first quarter, even if they'd recorded three goals, two or something to the similar the game would have had a very different feeling when it came into that quarter time break. Uh, it seemed like that was contagious right the way throughout the afternoon. We saw that they ended up with five goals, th- five goals 13, uh, which is choking over that score. Uh, five goals 13 is not going to win you any games of football whatsoever. And Brisbane, a team that really does create limited scoring chances as it is, really do require them to be kicking straight to make sure they give themselves every possible chance to win the game of footy. Some of the matchups that happened early, which uh, which were slightly surprising, uh, Adam Tomlinson did a terrific job with on Stefan Martin. Uh, Stefan Martin, who'd been in such great form all the way throughout the early rounds, 
of 2018 was well held. He only had the 12 disposals in the end. Uh, Adam Tomlinson did a really good job with him around the clearances. Although Jonathan Patton started in the ruck uh, up against him, uh, it was Tomlinson that went with Stefan Martin around the ground, and they can both hold their head up high uh, for limiting Stefan Martin, who probably become or had been Brisbane's best player through the early stages. Uh, Stefan, though, did dominate the hitouts. He had 38 hitouts, so certainly gave them first usage of the footy uh, pretty much all the way throughout the afternoon, uh, but ultimately not enough for the midfielders to be getting on top and taking the ball forward. Um, the bad kicking, as we mentioned, was a real feature all the way throughout the game, uh, and that was probably the thing that ultimately we felt cost Brisbane, but again, a few of their prime movers well down, and most notably the one of those uh, was Dane Zorko. Uh, this is starting to become a concern now, where Zorko for the second week in a row was very well held. Uh, Tim Taranto did a, did a great job on Dane. Uh, although it didn't look like as hard a tag as Took Miller had applied last week, certainly still restricted Dane's impact. Uh, he ended up with just the 10 disposals, also managed to kick a goal, uh, but ultimately a very disappointing a game from Dane and, and two in a row now that Dane really has been shut out of the contest altogether. And again, his frustration levels, although not quite as high as the week before, were pretty evident to see uh, all, pretty much all the way throughout the afternoon, but particularly through the latter stages when it started to become clear he wasn't going to be a, fo a focal point inside of the contest. Darcy Gardner, well, he did a good job on Jeremy Cameron. Jeremy Cameron, the real prime mover up in that uh, Ford half for the GWS and uh, really Dusty Gardner did a good job in making sure that he didn't get off the chain. Uh, only ended up with the one goal, Jeremy Cameron, which is real credit to the job that Darcy Gardner did. Uh, Darcy Gardner, a very underrated footballer by many outside of the club, but it's easy to hear when players like Jonathan Brown do speak about him just in how high regard by those in the inner circle at Brisbane uh, that he is held up to. Uh, we looked at Phil Davis. Well, he went to the big O, Oscar McInerney, rather than Eric Hipwood. Uh, the big O uh, certainly struggled early to find the pace of the game, had one opportunity off the ground to get Brisbane on the on the uh, goal ledges and get them off and running, but wasn't able to do so. In fact, hit the post, which would have been a great start to his AFL career. But to Oscar McInerney's credit, when he went into the ruck in the third quarter, he really did seem to have an impact, and Brisbane started to get better clearances out of the midfield. So that could be something that we do see uh, next week against Collingwood, where McInerney does spend more time in the ruck. The question then, what does that do with Stefan Martin? Uh, Stefan Martin, with the evidence that we've got across the last few years, certainly does enjoy being that only ruck and really does play better when that is in a situation. Similar for those that have, have been Brisbane Lions fans for a while, uh, Mitch Clark's breakout season came when he was the only ruckman and really had freedom to run out the game, run out over his opponents and get around the ground as much as he could. Uh, Stefan Martin's a very similar player where he does rely on getting in the flow of that game and really being the man uh, all the way throughout the game. Uh, so how Oscar McInerney's development and how Oscar McInerney's spending time in the ruck with Stefan Martin could become a fascinating subplot. Whether that means Stefan Martin goes forward to give Brisbane that bigger presence down there. Uh, Stefan Martin has been a forward or was really a forward in, in his earlier career in Melbourne before coming to Brisbane and making his name as the ruckman. Um, whether he goes back there, he's probably not ever going to be the key forward that will kick you a bag of goals, but he may be able to give a little bit more presence down there to hopefully free up Eric Hipwood. Uh, and they were really the key matchups that we saw early on. And we do actually have a couple of people now texting in on Fanline, so we'll get to your question straight away and pick back up our agenda immediately after that.
Rick from Boondall actually asked very topically, should we be concerned about Eric Hipwood? Well, Rick, firstly, thanks for the message. Uh, good to hear the, uh, the fans getting involved on the Final Line podcast. For those that don't know, you can always reach us at 0475-588-593. We'd love to talk about what's on your mind. Eric Hipwood is still a developing forward, and he's probably an undersized key forward um, at that. But I think if you have any concerns, or if, if I certainly have any concerns with Eric Hipwood, it does just tend to be that he is relatively easy shut out of the game at this present point in time. Uh, his way of kicking goals is really to get the ball out in front of him, giving him an opportunity to outpace his opponent and swing onto that left foot. And he's a very good finisher in general play for a key forward, it must be said. Uh, but other than that, at the moment, there's not too many tricks to, to Eric's game. He's not a contested market player, uh, and he's certainly not a player that's going to generate a lot of goals other than what we've mentioned. Uh, so my concern probably with him at this stage is that he is really easily shut out of a contest, uh, and also he probably doesn't offer a lot defensively. Um, you, you often see him trailing his opponent out or, or, uh, or three-quarter jogging behind the opponents when they're taking the footy out. So that lack of defensive pressure... It's probably the concern that I have with Eric Hipwood. Uh, in saying that, I think Eric Hipwood is going to be a fantastic player. And our expectations were probably raised last year by the terrific season he had. Uh, but he's really doing it alone up there with not a lot of support. Although he had Oscar McInerney with him this week and Josh Walker uh, has been up there in the previous weeks, there's not a real big key veteran presence that does take the heat off him, allowing him to be that second or third focal point. Uh, at the moment, he is the guy, and he is the guy that the opponents do look at to lock down first, before him and any other Brisbane forwards, maybe with the exception of Charlie Cameron. Um, but Eric Hipwood, not having a, a, the greatest start to 2018, although well, he has bobbed up from time to time and kicked a few goals. Uh, but Rick Boonall, thank you very much for the message. Uh, good to have you involved uh, here on the Fine Line podcast, and uh, hopefully we're cheering back Eric Hipwood to kick a couple of goals inside the next couple of weeks, or even this Sunday against Collingwood, which would be nice to see. We did have a tweet, uh, someone has tweeted it, that is Jim Condon, uh, who is Weander Rams. His Twitter handle is Weander Rams. Jim, thanks for your message. Jim asks, are we still zone defending instead of manning up? Uh, well, Jim, I think there's a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B um, that you'll probably find in your answer. I think that Chris Fagan and, and, and Hawthorne in general, from which is where his, his roots do come from, are big fans of the zone defence, particularly when the opponents uh, do, or when Brisbane has the ball in their forward half, whether from a stoppage or from a kick-in. Uh, the zone defence is one that's very popular uh, from most of the clubs now in the competition, but certainly Hawthorne really were the first one to employ that rolling zone. And I think uh, Brisbane have really emulated that, and they do look to zone up as much as they can. Uh, in saying that, um, when the ball is stoppage throughout the midfield, I think it is then more of a man-on-man -man situation. And it probably also depends at what stage of the game we are. Uh, we've seen in the last couple of weeks, particularly when the opponents have got a run on, Brisbane have put an extra behind the football. Uh, be that Daniel Rich or in previous weeks, it might have been Sam Mays, Tom Cutler, that sort of type. Now, when that happens, uh, then it becomes, I guess, a man-on-man -man equation with that free man drifting away uh, all over the back line. But I think they're, they're doing a bit of both. I think they're primarily trying to operate with a zone defence uh, with a little bit of man-on-man -man all the way throughout uh, when you do have a centre bounce or, or a middle stoppage. Uh, but I think we'll expect to see more and more of the zone, I think both in general from the AFL and also from Brisbane uh, in the coming weeks or across the rest of the year. Uh, it does seem to be the way that, um, that Chris Fagan likes teaching 
his team. And, and we do see, I guess, when it doesn't work, we see those goals leaked out over the back. Uh, and that's usually a sign that their transition to the zone um, hasn't happened or hasn't happened properly. The kick or the turnovers happened. Uh, Br- or Brisbane are, are slower to react than their opponents. The opponents have got the run on. And generally we see it then just being a loose man situation for them. Draw and pass, draw and pass all the way down the field until we see whoever that loose uh, Johnny on the spot person in the goal square being the lucky person on the end of the handball to kick, to kick the uh, the goal. So, look, I think uh, thanks again, Jim, for your tweet as well. I think the zone defence will be one that we continue to see from Brisbane uh, pretty much right the way throughout 2018. What we saw is, I guess, the good performance from Brisbane on the weekend. Uh, I thought Daniel Rich was very good in his return, uh, and they really did miss him, and I think they really missed him against St Kilda. Uh, I, I firmly believe that they would have won that round one game had Daniel Rich finished the game. Uh, he gives him so much penetration off the back flank, and even he came back, he had 20 kicks, uh, 28 disposals in total on Saturday, uh, and he was a real force off that half-back line. I reckon Zach Bailey continues to improve as well. Uh, he really looks like he's got the pace of the game now, and, and a real player that's not afraid to get the ball and take them on, uh, which does seem to be the, the, uh, the coaching or the teaching way of Chris Fagan. Jared Berry, another one that always tends to get the ball and look to break a tackle first. Uh, so really, I think they'd be encouraged to use their natural assets, which for Zach Paley tends to be his speed off the mark. So he, uh, he was good on the weekend. Uh, Tom Cutler continued his good form, while not as prominent as the week before. Gave them terrific penetration and drive with another 20 disposals also. Uh, Jared Berry joined him also with another 20. And his, the, the uh, quietness of Dane Zorko has given both Berry and McCluggage more chances to be more prominent in that midfield, which may be a benefit that Brisbane see do down the track with Dane Zorko being so heavily tagged. Uh, the other Dane, Dane Beams, he was back to, to good form on the weekend. 29 disposals, uh, a goal, and that was a terrific mark and goal that, that he did to really kickstart Brisbane in that second quarter. Uh, an inspirational captain's act. He saw the the oncoming GWS defender and flung himself head first to take the mark, then went back from 50 with the graze above his eye and slotted it to give Brisbane a little bit more momentum in that second quarter. And that was actually their first goal that they'd kicked. So a really good effort from Dane, but good to see him to get back into some good form after some lately, lately uh, troubling circumstances, some troubling personal uh, time for him. And we're glad to see Dane back and rearing. Jacob Allison again was good, again giving Brisbane plenty of run. Uh, he was good off the wing and also off the back flank, giving them drive there. Uh, he had 15 disposals in the end. Mitch Robinson, another one who went in around the clearances in the last quarter in particular. Uh, he threw his weight around as he always does. He ended up with 28 disposals as well. And really playing that key inside role, trying to feed out the ball and, and lay as much manic pressure as Mitch Robinson does. Uh, Harris Andrews was probably Brisbane's best player again. He was outstanding down back. Uh, he, he did a good job in being that loose man or that third man over, took a number of marks inside the defensive 50. And really now he is becoming a real target for Brisbane on their kickouts, as we alluded to last week. They are starting to look with him with that long kick from Witherden or Rich to try and find Harris Andrews, who's a great overhead mark and does give them so much penetration once he gets the ball and can give it to one of their runners pushing off that half-back line. And Darcy Gardner, who we mentioned earlier, did a good job on Jeremy Cameron. Also, uh, those that probably have been nervously maybe watching the team selections on Thursday night, a couple who have been dropped already that may be back in the firing line again. Ryan Lester was very disappointing. Uh, he only had an eight, he had an eight disposal game and just seemed to lack again a role 
um, for, for that he really could uh, sink his teeth into. You sometimes see him down back, you sometimes see him around the stoppages, you sometimes do see him up forward, but he just seems to be struggling in 2018 to really be nailing down a role where he can go uh, and get his teeth into that. So Ryan Lester could be back on the chopping block again on Thursday night. Uh, he's, going to be ner- he's going to be joined by a very nervous Dan McStay, who six disposals um, just seem to rack- lack an ability to get in the flow of the contest as well, save for the one good contested mark down forward and then the check side or, or the uh, goal that he kicked off the left foot. So McStay and Leicester seem to be on that bubble of that 22 to 25 range and really defend who's gone well in the knee fall this week and where the matchups look for Collingwood. Daniel McStay could be one that could save his spot just to give him that flexibility of going forward and going back that he does give. But uh, you only imagine he's only a couple of performances like Saturday away from perhaps going back into the knee fall. Uh, Eric Kipwood, I think, will continue to survive. We, we mentioned earlier with the comment we had I think they'll keep persevering with Eric Hipwood, A, because they don't have someone to replace him up forward, uh, but B, because I think they understand at this stage of Eric's career, the more games they can get into him at the AFL level, the better off he is going to be before that size does come. Uh, and Dane Zorko, I don't think, is in any danger of being dropped at any point in this season, uh, but another one that we think that the, the performances can lift there and be interesting to see whether Collingwood do go for the, the hard tag. You have to imagine that they will again this coming Sunday, because it's been so successful against Day in the last couple of weeks, uh, they'll see that as a really key point to getting them in front at the end of the siren. It seems that Brisbane this year, we made the comment throughout the game that the individual improvements are there to see, and you see that in people like Zach Bailey and Jared Berry and Jacob Allison and, and even Nick Robertson to a certain extent, but the team still just lacks that, that extra 5% that's going to really catapult them and make them competitive in games. Uh, the post-game presser is always an interesting one, and Chris Fagan, again, seemed to make the comment that they're getting themselves in position to win their game, but they continually do things that allow good teams to take the end results. Uh, and that's a pretty good, I think, uh, re- a pretty good reflection on where Brisbane's at at the moment. There's some really good individual performances that are occurring on a week-by-week basis. Even Cam Rayner, again, uh, although he wasn't as prominent as last week, he certainly showed his way around the contests, and even the first first contest of the game, he catapulted himself in like a wrecking ball uh, to impact that first tackle or the first clearance, which is what we want to be seeing from everyone, uh, let alone from a player that's only played six games of AFL football. But the team itself just seemed to not be able to stay in the, the game for a whole quarter, which really does allow you know the Adelaides and, and Collingwoods and the GWSs and, and the other teams that are that next throwing up to get a run on and kick those crucial goals that end up being the end decisive market, the end decisive margin. Uh, and you see the game on, on Saturday, the end margin, although it, it didn't probably flatter GWS, the 34 points, if Brisbane had kicked straight up or even, even squared up that ledger somewhat, it would have been a really tight contest and one that was probably not decided until the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, Nick Robinson got reported. So Nick Robinson might have a bit of a nervous wait this week. Um, from the footage that we saw, he could be in a little bit of strife. So we'll see what happens with Nick Robertson, but there might be some players that can come back in to replace him. A couple more of your text messages. Stevie from the Gabba. I'm assuming Stevie's not sleeping over at the Gabba, but uh, Stevie must be in wool and Gabba. Uh, good to hear from you, Stevie. Any pressure on Chris Fagan yet? Uh, I wouldn't think so. I think that the Brisbane Lions and the board and, and uh, Graham Swan are very much on board with Chris Fagan, uh, taking Umbrett really from scratch and trying to leave them 
across a three or four year journey to get them to a competitive space of playing regular good footy against good sides. So I don't think Chris Fagan will be under any pressure uh, in saying that if they go through the whole season and only win you know, one or two games, well, there's really no coach that is immune to the pressure and the criticism that will come from that. Uh, but I think Chris Fagan will be looking for continual improvement out of his side and certainly the board on a wider level will be looking for that also. Um, so I would imagine that Chris Fagan is in the hot seat just quite yet, but they're probably going to look at the results against the teams like Carlton, uh, probably the matchup again against Gold Coast in the second half of the year to really try and get a gauge of where Brisbane is sitting at this present point in time. Uh, outside of Carlton and Brisbane, it really does seem to be an even competition. The Kangaroos, who many had, who many had uh, suspected that they were going to be in the bottom three or bottom four sides for the year, they've been competitive. Gold Coast, obviously beating Brisbane last week, they've got three wins on the board to this point of the season. So... Um, really for Brisbane and Carlton, it, it's going to come down to who wins that game to probably which coach is going to be feeling less pressure or more pressure, depending how you look at it in the back end of the season. Uh, Trevor, Trevor from Mount Gravatt has his SMSs as well. He says, Mays was the emergency sitting out for the second half of the seniors. Is he close to coming back next week? Well, I think this, this really could hinge on the Nick Robertson uh, tribunal outcome. I think if Nick Robertson gets suspended, Sam Mays could be a chance to come back in that back half. I think the thing that's probably working against Sam Mays at this point is the players in his position are actually playing pretty good footy. You know, the halfbacks and the, and the rebounding defenders, Daniel Rich, as we mentioned, had a good game last weekend. Uh, Tom Cutler's been in good form, and I wouldn't expect them to be dropping Tom Cutler anytime soon. Alex Witherden also been in real, relatively good form. And Jacob Allison seems like he's developing at the AFL level also. And they're probably the people that are in competition for Sam Mays for that rebounding defender role. Um, Nick Robertson and Sam Mays definitely wouldn't be a like-for-like like swap because uh, Nick Robertson very much a tight uh, checking defender, whereas Sam Mays is, is generally more likely to play that loose role, the rebounding uh, defender role. But with other people in that spot, he may need to adjust his game to, uh, to try and cement a, a, a spot back in that back six uh, or even in the wider 22 in general. So uh, obviously if he's the, the emergency that's sitting out, he is close, but uh, how close will probably be revealed on the selections on Thursday night and then when they finalise the teams come Friday night also. Uh, but thanks again for those that are writing into Fanline. It's great to hear what the Brisbane Lions fans have in mind or do have on their mind when it comes to Brisbane. And uh, We always love talking about what, uh, what the people here want to hear and what we, can, uh, what we can help you out with uh, to maybe give some clarity on what our perspective is at this present point of time. So we cast our eye forward to Sunday afternoon and we're going to go back to what was formerly known as the Gabatoir, but now probably known as the uh, Bi, or the, the glorified Bi holiday week up in Queensland. Collingwood coming north to play Brisbane at the Gabba. Collingwood always very well supported, and I'd imagine with the Brisbane Lions fortunes, in the early part of this year, that the crowd at the Gabba on Sunday will probably have a almost slightly pro-Magpies feel, if not 50-50. That just didn't be the way that Collingwood do travel so well with their fans, and their fans are a rowdy bunch also, which will give them a bit of a kick along. Uh, the Collingwood four line, well, they've gone loss, win, 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 and then a loss uh, last weekend to the very informed Richmond. Now, they do have a few injury concerns, most notably are those Ben Reid, uh, for Collingwood and also unfortunately for Brisbane fans, James Aish uh, injured which will give uh, which unfortunately will rob maybe a few of the Gabba 
pundits and pleasure in, uh, in reminding James Asher the decision that he made a few years ago. Uh, but this on paper looks like a tough matchup for Brisbane. A few weeks ago, Collingwood uh, weren't looking so strong before they did start that three-win run. Uh, now it does look like it could be a tough matchup and one that Brisbane really are going to have to stay in this contest for the whole game or else it could end up being decided uh, by a run of goals from Collingwood early. Collingwood at 3-3, three and three, uh, Brisbane at 0-6. You'd say on form that Collingwood should take the, pit, the points here, uh, but Brisbane hopefully can look to come back, play the Gabba well as they generally do and provide a really strong contest, uh, which can hopefully give their... Fans, something to cheer about after six winless rounds. We're going to be back later on this week to cast our eye in more detail across that Brisbane Lions and Collingwood matchup on Sunday afternoon. To all the fans, we do hope you're planning to get to the Gabba on Sunday and show the maroon, blue and gold as best you can and hopefully cheer the boys home. But on behalf of the Fine Line podcast, we thank you so much for joining us again and we look forward to talking with you again later in the week.